Well, welcome everybody. It's so great to see you guys today, see your smiling faces in the house. And hey, if you're worshiping with us online, we love you and we are looking forward to the time when we get to hug your neck and see you here as well. Uh, so several uh, years ago, it's been many years now, uh, we brought home a family piano. This piano used to belong to my, uh, my wife's grandmother and we loved her dearly and we got to bring her piano to our house and so it, it, it wasn't very expensive. It wasn't like a baby grand or anything like that. It was, it was an upright piano but it had a lot of sentimental value right to us and so we were very excited. We had it in our house and just it was so cool to have it there and I remember one night after everybody had gone to bed I decided to sit down and play a little bit. Now don't get really impressed. I don't really play the piano very much. I can play a pretty mean Desperado, you know, from the Eagles, you know, but aside from that, uh, not much. And so I sat down to play and the minute my fingers pushed down on the keys, Houston, we have a problem, right? This thing was like horribly out of tune, like terribly out of tune. Like you push one key down and you'd hear two different notes, all right? That's not supposed to happen that way. I was like, Liz, this thing is awful, man. It's like... It probably hadn't been tuned ever, maybe, or certainly in years and years. And so we decided to get a, a piano tuner to come to the house and kind of work on it. So I don't know if you've ever seen this happen. It's really fascinating to watch a piano tuner going to work because they first kind of take the back off and they expose all the, the strings and the hardwire and the hammers and all the mechanism back there. And then they roll out all their tools, they roll up their sleeves. I mean, it's gritty work. And then they pull out a tuning fork and they'll strike that tuning fork, which provides the perfect pitch for every note. And then as that tuning fork is ringing, they'll get these special wrenches and they'll start to turn that hardwire. And it's hard. I mean, they have to put some torque on it. This guy was like sweating. I mean, it was, it's, it's physical labor. And he's trying to tune that string, tighten that thing up so that it is now in alignment with the, with the perfect pitch. And, and as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, you know, that's a lot like what our lives are like. Our lives are a lot like that old piano. That God created us to live in harmony with him. God created us to, uh, to experience the beauty of knowing him. And yet, for some reason, we, we lose our tune. We, uh, we, we're not, our hearts are not in tune with God the way it used to be. Maybe it's because of some trauma or some tragedy that's happened that jolted you out of tune and you've never really quite recovered from that. Or maybe it's just kind of the busyness of life that slowly but surely over time you just kind of lose your heart for God. You know, it could be just some secret sin that you've just not dealt with and, and so it, it's eroding away at your heart for God. Whatever the case may be, that we tend to lose our tune. We're no longer in alignment with God. And that's really what this essential series is all about. It's about the tools that God uses to bring us back into tune with him. And so we've looked at lots of different ways that God does that in our life. We looked at prayer. Uh, we looked at God's word, timing God's word, how to do that. Uh, we looked at fellowship, the importance of being with other believers. Uh, we, I think last week we looked at solitude and the importance of being alone, creating margin to be quiet and still before God. 
But today what I want to do is kind of lean in on a particular practice, what we would call a spiritual discipline, that is a practice that helps you in your spiritual life that many of us do not put into practice and yet is a powerful tool to bringing you back in tune with God's heart. All right? So I want you to open up your Bible. Uh, that's what we do around here. We get into God's Word. So we open up our Bible. If you didn't bring one, uh, then uh, you can probably find one online, a Bible app. I recommend the Bible app online. If you're at home or watching, uh, have your Bible open to Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is where we're going to be today. Matthew 6 is a portion of the greatest sermon Jesus ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because he preached it from a hillside in Galilee. On the northern slope of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had just appointed the 12 apostles. And so this was really their installation service, their ordination service. He had them there, but the other, the crowds also came. So he's not just talking to the 12, he's also talking to everyone else that's there. And he's talking about what it means to live life in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to live with God in charge? And so he's going to, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, he's covering a lot of different topics. But in chapter 6, in the middle of that sermon, uh, you, I guess you could say in the meat of the sermon, he talks about these disciplines that help us to live in tune with God. And he mentions three primary spiritual disciplines there that were regularly practiced in Judaism at the time of Jesus and still today. Uh, the first one, you look at the first couple of verses, he talks about the, the discipline of giving and why giving is important and what God wants from us when we give and what should our attitude be when we give. Then after that, he, he talks about the discipline of prayer. And you began to look, uh, let's see, I guess you look at verse uh, five on through and he talks about the importance of prayer and how you should pray. He even gets down into the Lord's prayer as a model for us on how to, to pray. We've covered that in earlier messages in this series. But then you get to verse 16 and he talks about another practice, okay? And this is what I wanna jump into today. So let's, uh, let's look at it together. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 16. And this is the word of God. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their face unattractive, so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly I tell you, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now stop right there. So what I want to do today is I want to talk about the practice of fasting. Now, when I say the word fasting, there are probably three different responses. There are some people that say, uh, oh, that's interesting. You know, I'd like to know more, right? That's, that's interesting. I'd like to know more. Some people say, uh, oh, that's strange. I'm not really sure I'm into that. And then others would say, oh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> that's never going to happen because uh, I, I like food way too much, right? So you have all different kinds of responses to fasting. But before you run down your track and either shut me off, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just step back and think about a definition of what is biblical fasting. 
In fact, let me give you a definition. We'll put it up on the screen here if you want to jot it down. Here it is. Fasting is the deliberate choice to abstain from food for the purpose of seeking God or seeking and hearing from God. Let me say it again. Fasting is a deliberate choice to abstain from food for the purpose of seeking and hearing from God. Now, usually when we think of fasting, we think about the first part. We fixate on the first part of the definition, which is abstaining from food, right? We're like, oh no, how's that going to happen? Truth of the matter is, fasting is quite uh, popular these days. Uh, intermittent fasting is all the rage. I remember several years ago uh, buying a book on the eight-hour fast, you know, intermittent fasting. And now uh, there are blogs, there's, there are apps you can use for that. There's all kinds of articles about it. You can get on a Facebook group to help you with your intermittent fasting. Everybody knows now from research that fasting is actually good for your physical health. We know that. But what Jesus is doing is he's drilling down on this and he's saying fasting is not only good for your physical health, but fasting is also good for your what? For your spiritual health. And, and why, why is fasting good for your spiritual health? Because fasting is always accompanied with prayer. Prayer and fasting go together, okay? Prayer and fasting go together. And, and as you are praying and you are fasting, you're drawing close and close to the heart of God. We're just like that old piano. We need our hearts to come back in tune. Our hearts have fallen out of tune with God. And through prayer and fasting, we, we come close to the heart of God. Now listen, is fasting pleasant? Uh, no, I, I've never really met anybody who goes, I love fasting, all right? Maybe a couple of strange people, but you know, by and large, most people, it is unpleasant, all right? But I guess if I could use my own uh, imagination, if I was a piano, probably tuning wouldn't be that pleasant either, right? I mean, exposing the, the, my inner parts and getting a wrench and torquing me on the inside, I probably wouldn't think that was very pleasant. And yet the end result is what? Harmony, beauty, music. What I was created to do, purpose? Well, I think that is the end result of fasting as well. That when you allow God to pull off the outer cover of your heart and to expose what's really going on in the inside and by the work of his spirit to begin to adjust some things that need to be adjusted, bring to light some things that need to be brought to light, that at the end of that, your heart is now tuned with God's heart. And that you can live in harmony. You can walk in harmony with God. You can fulfill your purpose for which he created you. So fasting is, is a part of the Christian life. Now, there are lots of different kinds of fast that, that uh, people often go on. Some people just fast a meal a day. Some only fast in the evening. Uh, some people fast a couple of days, maybe three times a day. Uh, some people fast a week. They're, it, Jesus fasted over 40 days. Listen, what I'm not talking about today, I'm not really getting the mechanics of, okay, if you're going to do a juice fast, then you have to do X, Y, Z. I'm not going to talk about that today. I really want to lean in and talk about when you should fast and why you should fast. Both the, both the moment and the method 
uh, of your fasting, okay? So let's take a look at that. When should you fast? And this really takes us back to the passage that we just read. I want you to look at verse 16 uh, of Matthew 6, and I want you to look at the very first word. In fact, I want you to circle the very first word that you read. It says, whenever, whenever you fast. In fact, if you look down at verse 17, he says, when you fast. And I think if you just stop right there, we have to realize that Jesus expected fasting to be a part of the natural rhythm of our life. In, in whatever regard, Jesus expected that fasting would be a part of our life. On another occasion, I don't have time to get into it now, but uh, the Pharisees were saying, well, your disciples aren't fasting. He said, yeah, while I'm here physically with them, they're not fasting, but when I go away, they will fast. And so the fact is that this is a season when we await the return of Jesus, when this is a time when believers fast. It becomes a part, an expected part of our practice. But, but when is it appropriate to fast? Some people like to drill down and say you should fast certain times a week or certain days a week. I think it was John Wesley that said if a minister doesn't fast twice a week, he's not worthy to be in the ministry, all right? Some people like to have it a regimented time. But, but did you know that Jesus never articulated a certain time that you should fast? He never said you got to fast three days, you got to fast one day, you got to fast on Wednesdays. He never did that. He just said generally fasting should be a part of your practice and your walk with God. In fact, as I've studied the Bible, I've found that there's more evidence not for a regimented fasting during the week as there is certain seasons of life when it is appropriate to fast. You say, well, when, like what kind of seasons? So let me give you five, five times to fast, okay? You ready? Five times to fast. Here's the first one. When you need strength to face a spiritual battle. When you are facing a spiritual battle, that's a time to fast and to pray. Jesus, of course, when he was in the wilderness, right? He was in the wilderness about to launch his ministry, and yet during that time he was fasting and he was praying and he faced off a spiritual attack from the enemy. And it was through that fasting and through that prayer and through the recollection of God's word that he was able to fend off these spiritual attacks. Listen, you may feel like you are under attack spiritually. Your family is under attack spiritually. You're coming against the enemy in some way. That is a time to fast and to pray. Just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we read some emails from some of our church planters all around the world, and many of those church planters were facing severe spiritual attack. And so all of us on our, said so we all got on our knees and we began to pray on their behalf. Now listen, when you are in a season where you're under attack spiritually, that is a time to fast and to pray. Uh, here's another one. When you need direction. When you need direction, when you have a big decision to make, when you don't know to go to the left or to the right, when you don't know what is the wise choice to make, when you need godly wisdom, that is a time to fast and to pray. The Apostle Paul, he would go and establish churches. And as he established churches, eventually he would appoint leaders. But before he appointed leaders, he would always fast and pray. Acts 4, 21 says he would fast and pray and then he would appoint the leaders. Why? Because he needed godly wisdom and direction, Holy Spirit leadership in his life. So do you need direction? Are you making a decision? Then you need to fast and to pray. Uh, number three is if you need physical or emotional healing. If you need physical or emotional healing, that is a time to fast 
and to pray. I think about Elijah. Remember Elijah? He was the great prophet and he called down fire from heaven and yet he got to a point where he didn't want to live. I mean, he was so depressed. He said, God, I'm the only one that loves you. God, I'm the only one that stands for you. God, the whole world has fallen away and God put him to sleep. He gave him a meal and then he sent him out on a 40-day fast to go to the mountain and seek the face of God. Listen, if you're battling through emotional uh, challenges, if you're walking through some physical problems, then this is a time, an appropriate time to say, God, I'm fasting and I'm praying and I'm calling out to you for healing. Here's another one, number four, uh, when you need courage. When you need courage. I think about Esther in the Old Testament. Some of y'all remember Esther. She was the wife of, of King Xerxes and, and uh, she was Jewish. She didn't know it and the Jewish people were about to be massacred and so she had to go approach the king but she knew if she approached him uh, without being summoned that she could die and so she called all the Jewish nation to fast and to pray for three days so that she would have the courage to go before the king. I think many times when we are fearful, when we need courage to move forward, maybe we need courage to confront a problem. Maybe we need courage to deal with an issue at work or at home. Maybe we need courage to start something new and, and we're just getting started, but, but there's a lot of apprehension. That's the time to fast and to pray and ask God for boldness and courage and to trust him. Let me give you one last one. Uh, when you need spiritual renewal. When you need spiritual renewal. When your heart grows cold. When your hunger for God's word is not like it used to be. When you don't desire to be with God's people. You don't desire to worship the Lord. When, when God used to really be just a burning passion in your life and now it's not anymore. When you need repentance. When you need forgiveness. When you need to start over. That's a time to fast and to pray. In fact, uh, Leviticus 23 tells us that the Day of Atonement was a day when all the Jewish people would come together for the purpose of repenting, of drawing close to God, seeking forgiveness. And part of that repentance was humbling themselves in fasting. In fact, David said in, in Psalm 35, 13, I humbled myself in fasting. That's really what fasting is. Fasting is humbling myself. Fasting is not feeding myself, not so that I punish myself, not that I'm trying to hurt myself, but, but food is not attractive to me because what I'm really seeking after is God. What I really need is not another meal. What I really need is God to show up in my life. It is a sign of desperation. It is a sign of humility. It's a sign of dependence on God. It's a sign that says, God, uh, I need you to show up in my life. And I, I can't eat until you show up. That's the attitude toward fasting. I remember when I was young in the ministry, this was my first role on a church staff. I was still trying to figure things out. And I remember, never forget, we had this kind of blue uh, lazy boy chair thing that we rocked the girls on when, we were, when they were babies. And and I remember sitting in that chair having my quiet time and I, I happened to be in the book of Esther and I was reading through and I got to that part where she said, uh, fast and pray for three days. And it, it was just very clear to me that the Holy Spirit said, hey Craig, you know what? You haven't done that. I think it's time that you come away with me and just seek me. 
it's time for you to do this. And so I never fasted before. I, quite honestly, I don't think I'd ever talked to anybody that had ever fasted before. And so I did a little research on it and I got, I got my little juicer, you know, I got my bottles of water, you know, I got, got the whole thing worked out. But, but as I kind of walked into that experience, I'm going to tell you that I still remember that experience like it was yesterday because it was a profound time of meeting with God. It was so profound that I had repeated that multiple times along my life, my faith journey in, with Jesus. When I am needing help, when I am discouraged, when I need direction, when, when I, um, I feel dry spiritually, I go back to that practice of fasting and prayer. So fasting, when do I do it? Well, you do it when you're in one of those seasons of life. And so how do you fast? It, Jesus actually tells us in this passage that there's a right way and a wrong way to do it, all right? There's a right way and there's a wrong way to fast. And so that's really kind of his main point here. So look at it with me again, verse 16. Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites. He's talking about the wrong way, okay? Don't be gloomy like the hypocrites for they make their faces unattractive. So that their fasting is obvious to people, truly I tell you, they have their reward. In other words, Jesus is saying, he was really pointing to the Pharisees, that's what he's talking about. And he said, you know, these religious leaders, they, they love to fast, all right? In fact, on another occasion when a religious leader was praying, he said, I fast twice a week. I mean, they've made this a regimen, a part of their life, but they let everybody know about it. And, and he said they, were, they would always make a big production about it. They would put on their fasting clothes. I guess it was their baggy, uh, baggy sweats and, and that kind of thing. And, and they wouldn't clean up and, and they had bad breath, you know, and they're just walking. And everybody knows they're moping around. They're, they're grumbling around. Oh, I'm fasting today. I'm fasting today. Look how skinny I am. I mean, they're making a big production about their fasting. And... Uh, God's not interested in that. God's not interested in their big production. It was never really about, they were never really seeking God. They were all only just seeking attention. You understand? And he said, you know what? That, they're a bunch of hypocrites. The word hypocrite means actor. They're, they're playing a part. They're like they're on a stage. The, the, the stage is, is their platform that they, where they are and they're just putting on a show for everybody. And he said, if you're gonna fast, do not do it like that because God's not interested in that. You know, as I was thinking about this point, I, 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 I tried to think, how, how can I communicate this in a way that we can grab a hold of it? <clears throat> so follow with me here. Guys, you know that next Sunday is Valentine's Day? Guys, next Sunday. All right, note to self, it's next Sunday is Valentine's Day, okay? So you, some of you guys are like, oh man, I gotta write that down, All right? Next Sunday is Valentine's Day. So just imagine that a man wants to dote on his wife, show her how much he loves her, right? So he's gonna like really pull out all the stops this Valentine's Day, okay? Trekking with me? And so he wants to pull out all the stops. So what he does is he, he, he gets reservations at a really super nice, expensive, white tablecloth, kind of place, restaurant, in an exclusive part of town. Then he goes and gets him a new suit and he buys this new suit. So he's looking his absolute best. And then, get this, he gets a limo. He literally rents a limo to pick his wife up from the house. We got a sitter, kids are taken care of. You're, you 
put on your best dress. I've got my best suit on. I mean, he's, he's got flowers in his hand. They're in the limo. They're loving that. And he's got a gift for her that's an expensive gift, going to be on her plate. He's taking her to everything is awesome, right? He is really going all out. The only problem is from the minute the limo showed up, he pulled his phone out and he was recording the whole thing and posting it on Instagram, all right? So he's constantly, hey, here's me with my wife. Check out, check out her dress. Check out my brand new tie, my brand new outfit. Check out the flowers that I got her. And then, oh, we're walking to the limo. Here we are in the limo. Woo, check it out. I mean, he's posting all that. He gets to the restaurant. Here we are in the restaurant. Here's our table. Look at my flat. Look at the flowers I gave her. Look at that expensive gift. Look at our food. Click, all right? All that kind of stuff. You know, he's just constantly. And then when they're sitting at the table, he's on his phone cause go oh man look at all these likes and look at all these new thumbs bubbling up and hearts bubbling up and uh, and all these people going you're such a great husband I wish my husband was like that my husband's a deadbeat I mean all this feedback right that he's getting and he's like whoa everything's great all the while he's so into telling everybody how great a husband he is that he's actually ignoring his wife who's like hello now how do you think she feels about that? Really, it's not about her. It's all about what he's letting everybody else know about what great guy he is. And he missed the whole point of the meal, of the date. Listen, if you're, if the things you do, if the things you do to show your love for God whether that be reading the Bible, whether that be your prayer life, whether that be your giving, whether that be showing up for church, whether that be serving. If the things you do to show your love for God are more about getting the attention of people, then it's a waste of time. God's not interested in it because it was always about you and it was never about him. And so Jesus said, don't do it like that. Don't, don't, you'd, I'd rather you not fast if you're going to fast like that and make it a show. But then he goes on to, to describe how we should fast. And check it out. Look at verse 17. He said, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. In other words, do it, do it for God, not for other people. So let's go back to the illustration, all right? The, the same guy who wants to make a great deal for his wife. And so same thing, new suit, limo shows up, got the sitter, fancy restaurant, uh, flowers in hand, gift at the place setting. Everything is perfect. He's going over the top. He is lavish in his love for his wife. And yet he never pulls his phone out once. He just looks her in the eyes and he just tells her how much he loves her and that if he did this a billion times, it would still not be enough. That he's just lucky to get to be the guy that's with her. Now, how do you think she feels? See, she knows that it's, it's out of love for her, out of the relationship. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. If you're gonna fast, hey man, take a shower. Put on your regular clothes. 
put on some cologne, some perfume, act like normal, don't announce it. Now, by the way, this is not saying that you can't let somebody know, like if you have an accountability person, you say, hey, I'm gonna be fasting today, pray with me about these things, that's okay. He's not saying that, that, he's just saying don't make it a big show so that you get attention from people. And if you will do it in secret, God will hear it. He will hear your prayers. Do it because you love God. Do it because you want to draw close to him. Do it because you want to please him. Do it because you want to deal with the stuff in your own life. Do it, listen, for the applause of heaven and not the applause of man. Do it for an audience of one. And then he says this beautiful thing in verse 18. He said, look at it. If you do it this way, he said, your father who sees in secret will reward you. So what is this reward? What is the reward? You know, Jesus doesn't really tell us what the reward is. Is the reward that God's going to answer every prayer that you prayed while you were fasting? Is it that you're going to get everything just the way you wanted it? Probably not. His wisdom is greater than that. His, uh, his ways are bigger than that. His thoughts are greater than that. So what is the reward? I really believe that the reward is that through that process of humbling yourself, seeking God, crying out to him, letting him expose the, the heartstrings of your life and make the adjustments that are needed, that in that process, your heart begins to be tuned to God's heart. And you begin to want the things he wants and love the things he loves and desire the things that he desires. And that's why you were created, to know him, to walk and fellowship him, to have harmony with him, and to fulfill your purpose in life. So let me ask you something. Is, is your heart out of tune? Are there areas of your life, maybe not the whole keyboard, maybe it's just a few notes that, oh, this is good, but boy, I hit this note here. This note is not, if the Spirit of God were checking the keyboard of your heart in life, would he go, oh, this little area, oh, that's a little resentment right here. There's a little bitterness there. Oh, there's a little bit of uh, area here that needs adjustment. Would you be willing to fast and to pray and ask the Spirit of God to adjust that, to tune your heart to him? Are you going through a season where you need direction, where you need healing, where you need courage? where you're facing a spiritual battle, maybe that's, now's the time that you need to fast and to pray. I want you to bow your heads with me for just a minute. You may say, Craig, I'm not really sure where I would start. I mean, well, the best place to start is with your walk with Jesus, your relationship with Jesus. Are you, are you at a place where you can look back and say, you know, I know for sure that I've given my life to Christ. I know that I, there was a time when I was confronted with my sin and I heard the gospel and I yielded my life to Jesus. See, that's where it all starts. We're not just about doing spiritual disciplines, we're about knowing and following Jesus. And maybe you can't say, I, I can remember the time when I gave my life to Christ. I remember when I was in darkness and now I'm in light. I remember when I was far from God and now I'm, I'm in the family of God. And I, I remember when I was so wayward and now uh, I, I know that Christ has changed me. I, if you are unclear about that, if you go, well, yeah, I believe in God and I, I go to church, I'm trying to do the right thing. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a moment of encounter with Jesus 
when you heard the gospel and you were convicted of your sin and you cried out to him to forgive you and to come into your life, if you were unclear about that, that's where it starts. So maybe today can be that day, your day, that you say yes to Jesus. Here's the simple gospel. When we were far from God and wayward, wicked in our own heart, running from God, living for ourselves, without a care in the world about how we lived, that God sent his own son, Jesus. And Jesus came to us to show us the Father, to reveal truth to us, but also to go to the cross. And on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. The very thing that separated us from God was put on the back of innocent Jesus. And he died in your place. That's how much he loves you. He absorbed the wrath of God at Calvary on that cross. And he died to pay the penalty for your sin. The wages of sin is death, the Bible says. And Jesus died your death on that cross. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead, conquering sin and death. And he now offers you forgiveness, a clean start, a new heart. To fulfill your purpose in this life. But you have to turn to him in faith and repentance. Say, God, I I don't want to walk that walk anymore. God, I want you to forgive me and come into my life. I want to follow you, Jesus. And if you're ready to pray a prayer like that, then I want to lead you in that right now. Everybody's head is bowed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Craig, pray for me. I, I need Christ in my life. I need to be right with God. I don't know that there's ever been a time, but I want today to be that moment. That nobody's looking around, would you lift up your hand? I'm not gonna call you out, but it lets me know that God's at work in your heart. Just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I know I need Christ in my life, all right? All right, lift it up. All right, thank you, thank you. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand where I can see it. All right, anybody else? Maybe it's your home right now and you're watching this and God is moving in your heart. This is your moment, this is your time to say yes to the Lord. So I want you to just pray the simple prayer with me. God knows your heart. Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you and I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me and I believe you rose again from the dead. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Make me a new person. Fill me with your spirit. Today I choose to turn from my sin and to trust you. And I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Now let me pray for you. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for just your patience with us, God, that that you are here in this place, that you are ready and willing with sleeves rolled up to dig in to our heart and to change what needs to be changed, God. That even now that we get to hear this message as a part of you lovingly wooing us and drawing us closer to you. So Lord, I pray that we would not run from you, but we would run to you. And that, Lord, if you lead us through seasons of fasting and prayer, Lord, we know that that is because you love us and you want to tune our hearts to be close to you, God. Lord, help us to leave today as light in a dark world. People who know you and follow you and walk with you. 
And Lord, I pray that this world would see the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.